Hello and welcome to Hummingbird, a weekly podcast with April Lee Janes and Jessica Outram. Creativity and wellness. Today we are going to look at how do our creative pursuits impact our health and what does the research say? Is there a link between wellness and creativity? What are some of the benefits? Are there any drawbacks? And what have we noticed in our lives? Hi, April. How are you today? I'm good, Jessica. And you? Oh, I am just uh, wonderful. It's so exciting to be here. Season two of the Hummingbird podcast. And I love it. It's, you know, season one was just such a gift. It brought so many gifts to record season one with you. And I'm just so excited about this next phase of our work together. I agree. I loved season one together and getting together every week to talk really fun focused me on my own creativity and I had a lot of benefits from it. Paying closer attention, making the time for what I wanted to do, but feeling validated in what I did because now there was two of us, right? Mm. And then suddenly there was three and then there was 50 as people that who love creativity. Heber's going to have to edit it all out, but <laughs> no, I hope that he doesn't because you know, it's, it's, it's because we're emotional about it, April. And we've, we've been working hard to build community, a little hummingbird community, and it's really rewarding to see that starting to grow and to happen. And so thank you to all of our listeners for being with us through season one and now joining us season two. So we can't, we can't wait to dig into more of the layers of, creativity with you. Yeah. And like you said, the benefits of, on my own personal learning has been enormous. And I think everybody should just get a podcast in, in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to talk. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's yeah. been wonderful. It's been wonderful. So. Um, and I mean, you, you use the word community, which I really want to talk about. Some folks have reached out and talked to us personally, and we want you to know we are available. We, we aren't living on some cloud somewhere. If you want to reach out and talk to us or leave a message or anything like that, we are very available and we'd love to hear from you. So please do. Yeah. Please feel free to help us build that community. Because, you know, creativity is connection, community is connection, yeah. you know, this is about connection and that's what we want. Um, we want to connect with you and learn with you. I feel really blessed because I've made some wonderful friends through, along the way through season one. So I'm looking forward to expanding that and making some more friends as we move into season two. So today we're taking a different turn in our in our work. We didn't look at this very much at all in season one. And now we're getting into the impacts on our health with creativity. Coming out of COVID and, and you know, all that we experienced through that time of restriction and not being able to talk to each other and everything, a lot of people turn to creativity for the health benefits of it. But it isn't just in the time of a pandemic or an emergency. There's a lot of benefits for us ongoing. That's what we want to look at today is how does it impact us? I mean, sometimes we decide with our emotions and then justify it with our logic. Well, emotionally, we all know we love creativity. So let's give a little logic behind it so that we know that this is a good thing. Yeah. What does the research say, right? We yeah. Know. What does the research say? What yeah. does the research say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it's only real then. We know we can experience it. We all have 
And we'll share some of these today, some of those anecdotal stories that impact us personally. We know that a lot of you out there have, have experienced this feedback loop of better health, better mental health. We'd love to hear your stories. So if you want to share them with us, please do. We'll give you away at the end of the show when you, how you can share with us. And number one, we're actually going to use an article that I found in, in Forbes magazine of all places. I think of Forbes as a is a business magazine, but this was a really good article about how creativity improves mental health. And it gave us five things that creativity did that were positive for our wellness overall, not just mental health. It starts with mental health. And we'll put a link to that article at, in our playlist. Jessica and I are going to each read a little bit of a, maybe a couple of lines from this article, and then we'll jump into talking about it. So number one was improves mental health. And what the author says, Creativity reduces anxiety, depression, and stress, and it can also help you process trauma. Studies have found that writing helps people manage their negative emotions in a productive way, and painting or drawing helps people express trauma or experiences they find too difficult to put into words. And I believe movement and song do the same thing because mm -hmm. song lets you release emotion. Movement lets you work it out in your body because a lot of it is held in your body. What I found with my creativity, I grew up with an emotionally abusive parent. And sometimes she was physically abusive, but most of the time it was an emotional abuse. And it turned me into a hypervigilant adult because as a child, I never knew who I was going to meet when I walked through the door of our home after school. You know, it could, could be a good mom or it could be the other mom. Growing up, I sometimes felt I could never relax, even as an adult because I was always waiting for the next bad thing to happen. And I mm -hmm. think of that as capitalized. Creating anything now brings my attention into the present. And I know I'm safe right now. I, I can relax. I can be in that. I'm not projecting into the future, trying to manage risk, not worrying about things that might never happen. Creativity keeps me right present with the safe place that I'm in. So the creation of art has definitely helped me manage anxiety mm -hmm. and stress. I can really feel it in my own life. That's in my experience of it. Jessica, what about you? Well, it can also be healing, right? So it has that present of mind piece to it. But I find that creativity and creative works can also provide you a place to heal, even if they never get shown to anybody. And, you know, there's all those studies about journal writing and there's, um, you know, it mentioned in the quote you shared, it mentioned about painting, being able to express what's, what's unexpressible. Uh, my poetry collection is, is looking at healing through trauma and it moves through the different directions of the medicine wheel, really focusing on mind, body, emotion, and spirit, and how you can find healing by bringing those four pieces of yourself together into wholeness. I think it's, it's the two, it's, it's that, that presence of, of actually doing the work can help be a strategy to make you feel good and feel whole, but it can also be something that you engage in over time and sometimes over a lifetime. Um, I think a lot of the times um, the work that, that I'm doing is 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 just to, to heal from pain and it can be all sorts of different kinds of pain but but that's that's the work that we're doing i know studies show that singing in a choir can increase your sense of belonging you get that strong sense of community that social connection it releases oxytocin it helps with grief it improves mood choir is something that has always helped me it's more more so than talking through things you know i want to stand beside you and sing through things and i find that that to be very healing. And again, that same thing that you were talking about, that, that, that present mindedness, 
So we can write, paint, dance, we can do all of that with our pain and we can let it out and turn it into something else so that we can heal rather than keeping it all trapped inside of us. And I, and I recently watched, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a television binge watching <laughs> person. I love to watch TV. <laughs> and I recently watched the series for all mankind on Apple TV. Have you seen that series? No, it's, I've been intrigued by it, but I haven't watched it yet. So maybe by the time this goes to air, I'll have watched it. But um, yeah, so no, it's, not yet. <laughs> okay, well, I, I I tried to give it a go and then I didn't like it. And then a friend of mine said, no, 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 watch it. So I, I gave it another go and it was so good. So it's basically a twist on history. And it looks at um, what if in the space race, the Russians were the first to land on the moon instead of the Americans. And then it rewrites history about what that would have looked like like there's one storyline so it's all about the astronauts their spouses their lives the impact on history that that would have taken and this one this is just one of the little storylines so it, it shouldn't impact the show if you haven't seen it but there was you know this the being a spouse of an astronaut when at any time in history but certainly when space flight was just so experimental and so new would have been very stressful and so there mm -hmm. is a little bit of a focus on what that was like for the spouses and there's one story line where one of the spouses is um, an artist who he's a husband and his wife is an astronaut and the other spouse is that stereotypical perfectionist housewife and her husband is an astronaut and she pretends that everything's okay and that she's not afraid and that she can do this and do that whereas the artist he's really open and and he pulls his fears out for her during dinner to work through them and says this is what I'm afraid of and over a few conversations, he talks about, you know, dreams that he's had about losing his wife when she goes up to space and all of these things. And the perfectionist housewife, you know, she just doesn't want to hear it. And she's close to it, close to it until she has um, these horrible dreams and, you know, things that make her scared that she hits that crisis point and she goes to him and tells her him all about her dream. And so he paints it for her and it's absolutely horrific. And he brings it over to her house when there's a gathering, this, you know, horrific painting <laughs> and she hides it at first. But then a few episodes later, she has it hanging in her dining room. And so art served as a way for, for her and for him to process the fear, to accept the fear, and then to keep on living with the fear right there present. And I, I just, I wanted to, I know it's a bit of a long story, but I wanted to share that because to me, that's the healing that can come through the arts is she didn't have to paint the painting, but her having that in her home and then finding peace with seeing that fear re reflected for her really made a huge difference in in her process and her acceptance of of where she was at in her life and the stuff that her husband did it makes me think of i mean real life artists like edward munch who wrote who painted the scream mm -hmm. um if you read his story i mean he had mental health issues and that was a reflection of what he was mm. going through was healing for him i know for i mean it's used in art therapy people that have suffered trauma they there are art, art therapists will help them work through it by expressing themselves expressing the inexpressible is perhaps what the mm. art does for us whether that is movement or visual art or writing there is something about getting beyond the logical brain and going deeper that is healing for us as human beings I really think that is one of the huge powerful gifts of creativity, whether we have to do it for ourselves or like in this series you talk about, 
we can give it to someone else. Mm -hmm. It's a big thing. Yeah. Makes me very thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Which moves nicely into the next one for you. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. My, my turn. (laughs) Um, So the next (laughs) one is that uh, creativity can reduce depression and isolation. The study that she refers to in the article was done by the U S public health. And the results say that creative activity has been shown to reduce depression and isolation, offering the power of choice and decisions. Toward the end of life, art and creativity offer a path of opening up the windows to people's emotional interiors. We're going to put a link to that study as well in the playlist because there was a lot in that. While we may not all experience dementia, when I read this, I really thought it applied to anybody because it relates to the depression and isolation most of us experienced during the pandemic. There are many people who experience experience depression and isolation, whether there's a pandemic or not. I actually found a study about how COVID forced us to adapt creatively. I mean, there were YouTube TikTok videos or something like that, where people dressed in costume to take out the garbage and they went viral. People started doing all of that. And it went all the way up to professional musicians giving online concerts. Yo-Yo Ma, who I love, I just think he's a brilliant genius musician. After he had his vaccination, he took his cello into that waiting area and gave an impromptu concert for that 15 minutes where you had to wait after your vaccination. I mean, what a gift to people, right? And healing and help people feel connected in a moment when they were all strangers sitting there. I also liked what it had to say about the power of choice, because we've all felt powerless. COVID particularly showed people who maybe thought they had control over their lives how little control we might actually have because decisions were made we had no control over, but they directly impacted us, our lives and our families. The small choices that I get to make the whole time I'm creating get, helps me have that sense of control. Here's something I can do that I that's mine alone and I can do what I choose with it. And so I can see how it gives people back that sense of control. I never really thought of that as exercising a skill, uh, but it is, you know, that power of choice. I, I got to thinking, and you can answer this better than I can. It's maybe this is why art and music in school is so important because a lot of kids feel powerless in their homes. They come from homes where there's a lot of problems. Mm. And it'd be interesting to know if having access to an arts program reduces problems and when they become adolescents or, uh, you know, get a, when just things are going wrong, maybe in the neighborhood, right. that sense of power of choice that the kids have in an arts program may give them a sense of t- to be able to say no when it's important mm-hmm. or yes when it's important. Anyways, I'm going to turn the rest of this over to you because I that was a lot of my thoughts. Let's hear from you. Yeah, well, I, you know, and when I, I, I like what you were saying there around, um, you know, thinking about how it applies to all of us and how it applies to you and how, you know, the, that idea of choice and that that idea of control. And I think that's the point of the arts. It's about us as individuals. And if we can feel that it's had an impact in our own world, in our own lives, then it chances are it, it has had an impact for others as well. Because, you know, part of what's important for us as our journey as humans is to express who we are, to share mm-hmm. our voice, to find find ways to listen to the little voice inside and, and to pull it out. So creativity is connection. So it makes sense to me that it is something that um, reduces depression and isolation. My experience of depression is disconnection 
right? You feel disconnected. Like for me, I would feel disconnected from myself, from everything that's around me. And when I engage in the arts, I start to reconnect. I start to be able to see things from different perspectives. And so even if I start by going through the emotions, like just the motions, it always leads to a point where the door opens and my health improves and the energy shifts. And I remember there's been moments in my life where things have just shown up when they need to. For example, there was a, a great big choir um, audition <laughs> that uh, I was teaching music at the time. A choir conductor came into the school and invited anybody to audition, but then the information didn't get to me. So I had no students for him to audition and he was looking for anyone under 30. So I happened to be a young teacher and happened to be under 30. So I said, well, I'll sing for you. You've driven all the way, you know, it's been an hour from Toronto to our school to do this. And so I remember singing for him and I was going through a rough time in those days. And I ended up getting into this choir. It was the world the World Youth Day Choir when Pope John Paul II came to Toronto. And what an experience that was. So here I was going through a very challenging time and in a very dark place. This man shows up and I end up in this choir. I start going to weekly rehearsals with 500 other voices. And then I find myself, you know, leading up to the days where, you know, we, which was the big event, the big in Toronto, but we had little events leading up to it. And one of them, which I guess isn't that little, was there was 500 voices singing Handel's Messiah and so standing mm. in there with that many people like there was and again I was just going through the motions in the middle but in the beginning of that but somewhere in the middle something shifted the energy shifted it gave a place for my voice to go and and that standing next to people and singing alongside them really really helped me move into a better place so that creative expression gives us a place for our voice to go. And we, we, we do get so busy with the everyday that we, we forget to connect to those. Even if we're not depressed, if we're just going through everyday motions, it's, it's busy. There's a lot around us. I'm reading Glennon Doyle's new book, Untamed, and she explains it as the ache and finding that quiet space to listen to the ache. And the more that we listen, the more we connect and then we can share that out. I just want to interject here for a yeah. second because that's what I'm doing or I'm trying to do with a lot of my paintings that I'm doing right now. I'm taking pictures of, I just did one tiny little strawberry blossoms. I've got a quarter of an inch across but I blew it up so that people could see the beauty of it because we're so busy running around and doing the things we have to do to keep our lives mm -hmm. running that we're not seeing the miracles that are right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And I really, that's, that's the ache I have is to take that time to stop and really notice and to help other people see that as well. So when we talked earlier about our art healing ourselves, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's that's what I'm asking people to do is just stop for a minute and pay attention. And I think that can be healing. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. And so, so whether we're creating or we're a consumer of the arts, that's something that can happen, right? So you can go to a concert and be one person going in and feel like a whole different person coming out. You know, you can encounter a painting that helps you to see something in a way that you've never seen it before and you're changed forever. It's those shifts. Yeah that really help. And that's to me, with my understanding for, for in my own experience is, is what's helped me work through depression and isolation is, is remembering and seeing things from a different way. And I need sometimes that either engaging in the arts or consuming the arts to get there. Because when mm. I create, I'll remember I'm not alone. 
that I have everything that I need. And the world shifts from one of lack to one of abundance. And then my self-esteem will improve because I took a step, even though I didn't know where it would lead, like walk through that door to the unknown. So, you know, we talked earlier about creativity as a mindfulness type strategy of that presence in those times of isolation. But I think the bigger piece within that, the, the, the reward is that, like you said about perspective, it reminds us that there is a different way to see things and we're part of everything and everything's part of us. It's you. So you've expressed yourself, you've shared it with someone else. And then that helps us to see, to, to feel connected. And it's just this constant connecting happening. There was something you said in there that maybe brought me back to the moment when I walked into the art gallery of Ontario and my daughter and I were having kind of a field trip day. And I went into this one room and there was a painting all the way across the room that just drew me in. And it was one of um, Emily Carr's paintings. I had never seen her work in person. It was one of those moments when it knocked me out of my trajectory and moved me into something slightly different. One of those mm those aha moments but also what you're talking about i was thinking about the art of comedy mm -hmm. the, and the art of acting and the art of improv i mean those are very unexpected ways of shifting our energy and that's what makes them humorous is they're unexpected the things that, that people do in that and it's it's almost a, a conscious effort to shift people I've done a bit of improv. I can see how that really, it shifted my own energy, but you can see it in the audience too. And as they're going along with you, there's that connection you talk about, and then it builds. I mean, you feed off of each other's energy, which mm -hmm. is such a wonderful experience. If anybody's ever done this, um, highly recommend taking some improv classes because it just does neat things. So mm -hmm. let's move on to the next thing she talks about. And we know humor and laughter boosts our immune system. So this might seems like a good lead in a nice segue <laughs> to this. <laughs> so the third thing she says, it boosts our immune system. And it's she also says it's time to start taking journaling seriously. Mm. Studies show people who write about their experiences daily actually have stronger immune system function. Although experts are still unsure about how it works, Writing increases your CD4 plus lymphocyte count, which is the key to your immune system. And listening to music can also rejuvenate the function of your immune system. I thought, wow, they can measure this, obviously, in our bodies, that there's this response. I know they can measure the oxytocin and everything, but this lymphocyte count, I know, um, I think this was one of the things that they use for fighting AIDS. I may be wrong. Forgive me if I am. It just rings a bell in there somewhere. But this really ties in with our discussion last season about morning pages from the artist's way a friend of mine she uses writing in the women's jail system and has mm. reduced recidivism because these women write out their pain and the problems they have mm -hmm. and she once shared a story with me about a woman who went home back to the abuse of the boyfriend abusive boyfriend showed up and she was going to just kind of let him back into her life and then she realized she was reading her journals and she said oh no it really was that bad and she got her life back on track this is a common friend jessica and i have but she's based her work on a social psychologist called james pennebaker who studies how writing heals and you can google his name penny baker p-e-n-n-e -N -N -E, baker and come up with a lot of information and a lot of his studies and things and his premise is that emotion that is unexpressed literally eats at us mm. physically and mentally. And he suggests that if we disclose our emotions, we work through them in our writing, we'll improve our health. And 
his work showed that individuals had positive change just three or four consecutive days for at least 15 minutes, about two months after the traumatic or stressful experience. So they needed time to process it, I think. And then they sat down for just three or four days and wrote about it for 15 minutes and they could measure the positive results. That's how powerful this stuff is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty, it's not like you have to write a journal for the rest of your life. It's, you know, it's just, you need, but you need to tap into it. Yeah. I have a friend that always says better out than in. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. So that idea, sure. of you gotta, you gotta express it. You gotta get it out of your system sometime. You gotta release it. Right. And that's even just a physical thing that we do is we'll, we'll pull in our, our bodies and tighten them. And then we can release the tension um, of our muscles. So this is, I mm-hmm. think like that with our feelings is we can pull it all in and get it out on the page and you can destroy that page. It doesn't matter if you keep it, nobody needs to yeah. read it. It's that idea of letting things come out and, and through you. So I write every morning, but I don't have any conclusive evidence that it boosts my immune system. I'm, I'm just going to have to trust <laughs> the science for that. I do know that when I'm not feeling well, I often go to uh, music, whether I'm you know, physically ill or just feeling down, I find that's just something I naturally tend to do is I want, I, I, I find watching TV or reading can to be overstimulating. And I just, you know, like the grounding effect the, of, of music. But one thing I can see is how writing in particular every day, it reduces my stress. And I do know mm-hmm. that science like a deep and just in my own health journey that a decrease in stress often means an increase in health and so for me that's kind of where I can see it working and I know that it makes me feel good right like I it feels Mm. good to get there in those days that are a little busier and I can't get to the page I'm a little less grounded that day I'm a little more hairy I, I find it really really interesting like so creativity is good for our health April. It's good for us. So it's not just fun. Yeah. It's good for us. Yes. And Add it to the apple so a day. Eat your apple and get to your your creative pursuit. I know what you're saying about the, the writing because there are days when I start to feel maybe a bit edgy. I don't really know what's wrong. There's just something kind of uh, eating at me, as we said. And I'll sit down and I'll write in my journal for a little bit and I'm fine after that. Mm. So I know that there's a release. And I think it's important here to say, if you possibly can do it longhand, write it out with your hand because the science also shows that using our hand and our body accesses a different part of our brain than if we sit at the keyboard. Mm-hmm. So I know some people like the computer because they can password it and then they don't have somebody else reading it. But as you said, you can burn it, you can toss it, you can shred it, whatever you need to yeah. do with it. It's, you know, some people, it wouldn't be safe for them to leave that writing around yeah. somewhere. There are people that, you know, not a good it would not be a good thing if someone else in their life found that writing. Do it anyway and get rid of it. Just burn yep. it if you have to. Get yourself that health benefit. I just want to kind of go back and just add one more thing before I move into a number four. I just wanted to say around uh, that, you know, you don't have to keep it. I almost think it's better not to keep it. We don't need to be living in the past. Like to me, the, the point of keeping a journal for my health isn't to go back and, and read it and to see what I've been through necessarily. It's just to get it out of my system and then it's done. And I oh, rarely that, go back. I will say the one time I went back, I've got a bunch of journals I've hung on to. I did go back once and read some of them. And I realized I had been complaining about the same thing for about two years. <laughs> and I thought, okay, maybe it's time to do something about it because obviously this has been bugging me for two years and all I'm doing is complaining about it. So there was an awareness that it brought to me how long it had been that it had been bothering me. So there is that benefit that yeah. you can go back and say, ooh, 
<laughs> you know, maybe I maybe I need to stop complaining and get into gear here. <laughs> so the, the the next item in the article um, she talks about is how creativity can increase happiness, and um, with that she connects happiness to the state of flow and describes it as repetitive creative motions like knitting, drawing, or writing that help activate flow, and that all are those are tasks that create a result. And when you succeed at creating a result, no matter what it is, your brain is flooded with dopamine. It's that feel good chemical that actually helps to motivate you. Do you find that flow leads to happiness for you? I like the word contentment, actually. I feel contented and maybe that's the same thing. Happiness I, feels like a, I just there's a quantitative difference to me. And contentment is really a peace of mind. I didn't realize my creativity was a drug though. <laughs> that hit of dopamine that I get. <laughs> But it does, it makes me feel good when I'm at my easel or my sewing machine and I and I accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish or just the fact that I'm in there working on it. I have this sense of satisfaction. I feel like I've done something that day that was important to me, not just something I had to do, something that was important to me. And I went a lot of years and, and I know if this is true, especially for women, we spend a lot of our time doing things for other people. We often get put at the bottom of the to-do list if we even get on there at all. And I think that purposefully sitting down to create something, just for your own pleasure is a way of putting yourself on that to-do list, even if it's only 15 minutes in the day. And that's actually how I started my own creative journey to, to claim it as of more of a full-time thing in my life. It had always been on the edges of my life and I had young children. So I, I mean, there was a reason why it was on the edges of my life. Their needs took priority and needed to because they were young children. But I could have found 15 minutes a day to mm -hmm. have sketched or something. I took a program called um, the Passion Project, which I'm now a facilitator for, and because I was so moved by it. And my passion project for 30 days, that's all you do it for is 30 days, was simply create for 15 minutes a day. And sometimes that meant, oh my goodness, at the end of the day, I hadn't done anything, so I'd grab my sketch pad and I would sketch for 15 minutes. But that opened up a habit for me that became my creative habit and has led to me feeling more settled and satisfied and in my own life and now has led to me working as a professional artist she talks about knitting in here and i knit a lot and my family will tell you they've got enough knitted socks to probably last for the next century i think of the pursuit of knitting is different for me i have a friend who creates patterns and and everything else and she's very creative my knitting i think of it as my tv knitting i don't have to think about what i'm doing my hands are just doing something and it allows me to think and problem solve so i can creatively think and the knitting supports that it leaves my mind free to come up with those ideas i think this when, when you get the, to, to the finished result though of your knitting how do you feel yeah. when you're done oh i love it i either sending them off as a gift or they go in my own drawer or my husband's drawer but there's something about letting your mind wander. Yeah. So, so give yourself something to do that lets your mind wander. Mm -hmm. I think it helps also helps to create that feeling of contentment and happiness we're talking. I agree with you about the word um, contentment over happiness because you know when I think about the like happiness can be exhausting. Contentment yeah. just I could do all the time. And when I think about when I'm in flow, I'm rarely smiling. And to me, happiness is an act where your your whole body is smiling from the inside out. Whereas contentment mm -hmm. is, is more this feeling of uh, being grounded and free at the same time, open and contained, kind of easy like breezy, and then pressing yeah. on, right? Yeah. yeah, it's sustainable. I like that. I really, you hit the nail on the head. Contentment is sustainable. Mm -hmm. so. 
And then it's guided by something. I feel like I'm connected. It's like almost being suspended in air between two things is what it feels like for me. And I find that that's what flow is for me too, is it's a lot like what the feeling of contentment is for me. It's about right now, there's an acceptance of whatever comes up, comes up, and I'm not going to judge it. It's not good or bad. It just is. And it's like that energy force that's kind of moving through at a steady pace. So for those of our listeners who are, who are kind of going, oh, that sounds so, so good. Well, it is so, so good. Um, and they're wondering mm-hmm. maybe how do they get into that space? It's different for everyone. But for me, I need somewhere really quiet and uninterrupted. I need to have some idea of what I'm going to do. Like I can't just show up with nothing. I need to know I'm going to work on this painting or I'm going to play with this poem. So an idea with what I'm going to do, but also it's got to be balanced with some questions about where it might end up. I can't go in with an agenda beyond I'm going to play with paints. And then I find for me, I'll breathe into the moments like a meditation and kind of give myself that transition time in. And I think, you know, Curry to Kent talks about how you can't create and analyze at the same time. They're two different things. For me, that's absolutely right. But I think for when I'm thinking about flow, it's not something that happens when I'm learning something new. It's more when I'm sinking into the learning, when I've consolidated the learning and I'm falling into the ideas and letting them to become and to grow and to do and to bloom um, whatever it is they need to do. And that's where I feel that happiness increasing. That's for me where, where that is. And then, you know, in this article, she talks about that feeling, like that's what I asked about the knitting and how you feel when it ends, because Mm -hmm. these are two separate big things, right? Like there's the, there's the state of being, of being content and being in that flow. But then there's also that rewarding feeling that you get when you finish something. That's, that's, that's a nice feeling, right? That's, that's the feeling. Well, I was just gonna say, I'll never forget, you know, that when my first book arrived, it was such a private moment. No one was there with me but you know and I held it in my hands for myself and I just felt lit up everywhere to see this book it was those are fun moments to work toward and it wasn't about anybody else it wasn't even about the book getting into anybody else's hands it was just getting it into my hands felt so so good and that increased my happiness I do that with my paintings too when I finish (laughs) one that I'm happy with you know sometimes they they bomb and then you just throw those in a closet but the ones that I thought oh yeah okay I I did it or I came really close to getting what I wanted. I, they'll be out in my studio for a long time. I'll have it sitting up against a wall or on top of my you know, painting table or something like that, just so I can walk by and look at it periodically because of that sense of satisfaction that you get from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's such a good feeling. When you talk about the flow and the analysis, I used to get in, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I designed and created computer systems for a living for probably about 25 years and I could get into flow really easily when I was programming and it all and I'm reading the things that you said it'd be quiet uninterrupted space it was the place where I was balanced I knew I had questions I knew where I was going with it that I knew where it had to end up but I didn't not exactly know how I was getting there sometimes I was sinking into it I was those ideas and I was analyzing at the same time because I had to analyze a computer system so I'm wondering if it's that you can't create an edit at the same time because after I would do the creation then I'd run my program and then I'd have to start fixing 
anything that was wrong in it, which I thought of as the editing. Mm -hmm. So maybe the word for those of you out there that are in a technically creative, like in a profession like that, it's the editing piece that we're really talking about when you get to the end and you have to go back and look at it and say, now, what else does this need? What does, what do I need to take away? Yeah. It depends how you're defining analysis, right? Yeah. And analysis, well, I mean, she was around what, in the sixties and seventies that computer programming wasn't a big thing then. And analysis had a totally different meaning. This applies to anything where you have to apply creative thinking or create creative action, I think. Mm -hmm. So moving from computers into number five, creativity makes you smarter. (laughs) I love it. Or does it? (laughs) Or does it? Yeah. (laughs) She says, music lovers, this one's for you. Studies show that people who play instruments have better connectivity between their left and right brains. The left brain is responsible for motor functions, the right brain focuses on melody. And when the two hemispheres of your brain communicate with each other, your cognitive function improves. And I'm going to challenge. I'm wondering if the wording is a little bit off because we got to think about what does she mean by smarter and uh, in this mm. article. And it may not be that it makes us more intelligent. It doesn't, you know, but it may, I bet music makes the two parts of our brain work together more efficiently, as you described. And is that what this article means by cognitive function? I'm a big fan of music, music education. And I think it should be essential for all students. Howard Gardner has created this list of multiple intelligences, which is all the different ways Mm -hmm. that we're intelligent. And one isn't more intelligent than another. They're all just different ways. And, you know, ones that, you know, you, you would have heard of before are, you know, some people will say I'm a visual learner, right? Some people will say I'm an auditory learner. I learn through what I hear. Other people are very kinesthetic and they learn through their bodies. Well, one of those multiple intelligences is music. It's just one of the intelligences. I wonder if this article, if we think about it in terms of all the other things that music brings with it and how, you know, we know, because I work in education, we know that the learning skills are what are so important and what really impact the student's success more so than their intelligence. Um, Because you could have someone who scores very high on intelligence, but very low on organization and responsibility and independence. What are they getting done sometimes? (laughs) I uh, did a little... I did a little research in Forbes as well and found a contradictory article in Forbes that we'll post in our (laughs) playlist. And in it, it says, it seems like there's something about music lessons that makes students able to perform better in their other classes. And that doesn't have to be intelligence and it's likely not. So it's Mm. likely the discipline, the habit of practice, the getting into flow, the expressing themselves and their emotions through music all those things that come with that we've been talking about today through creativity that make people appear more intelligent, but really it's the habits of living a creative life. Mm. Well, I know it's yeah. certainly that that the arts um, has a huge impact on well-being. And um, I think that that's, that's something to pay more attention to. It can help students expand their resiliency skills, learn social skills, um, you know, strengthen their sense of self, get that sense of belonging that's often um, missing. That when it comes to well-being, I think that the arts are absolutely essential. In terms of academic achievement, again, I think that the arts are very important in balancing that out, giving students different ways of sharing their voice, different ways of 
of learning how to connect with each other and how to connect with ideas. I'd have to look it up again, but um, if we look at the top skills that employers are looking for, the list changes a little bit every year. One of the things near the top of the list is always within the top three in the past couple of years. They either use the word creativity or creative thinking, or they'll use the, the word innovation which to me mm-hmm. is very similar, right? It's, it's using those creative problem solving and creative thinking skills. And that's what we need moving forward for kids. They, I know that one of the things to say, you only get old when you stop being curious. Mm. And that's one thing creativity is founded on is curiosity. You know, what would this happen here? How would that look? What would, how, what if I put these two things together? It helps our kids. And I think it also helps us as we grow older to maintain that sense of wonder that we need to have best all around result that I can think of is let's stay young. (laughs) I'm, I'm up for that. Well, okay. So creativity is the fountain of youth. Yes, yes. And yes. Yeah. There we go. There we go. That about sums it up because there's so many health benefits to this, Mm -hmm. not the least of which is healing both mentally and physically. COVID really shown a spotlight on that, but as creatives, we know it's true due to our personal or community experiences that we get. So we want you, our audience, to share your thoughts and stories and tell us more about how this topic impacts you, the, the wellness aspect of creativity. And you can do that at anchor.fm creative hummingbird. That's anchor.fm creative hummingbird there's a link there for message and you can record your story and we would so love to have you speak to us and let us hear from you anyways i think that's it for today then jessica what do you say that's it i think that's all but let's uh how about we share our playlist before we go the idea of the playlist is just to give you an opportunity to um, connect to some of the articles that we've talked about or to look through these ideas in another way and you can always find our playlist on the website so we encourage you to seek that out so i've included the article uh, making music may not make you smarter but can still be helpful for education and i've put in the forbes article that we based this this episode on the one about creativity and health. I've also put in a link to the public medicine report on creativity and dementia. And so that you can go and have a look to see what that study has to say. All right. So take care, everyone. Hey, everyone. It's April here. Really hope you enjoyed our episode two of season two about creativity and wellness and how what creativity can impact our health. Next uh, episode, we're going to talk a little bit more, dive a little deeper into a similar topic. We're going to talk about resilience and how creativity helps us manage the ebbs and flows of life and makes us able to bounce back a little bit quicker. In the meantime, we would love to hear from you. And if you'd really like to hear more about us and get more involved with the, we now have a Facebook group called the Hummingbird Podcast Community. It's a private group. So all you have to do, though, is find us, Hummingbird Podcast Community. Find it on Facebook. Ask to join. We'd love to have you. I mean, you can become part of the conversation. And as we get ready to talk about the book study that we're going to do, that is the place we're going to be talking about it quite a bit. In the meantime, hope you all have a great week, a very creative week. Take care. Bye-bye. This season, we invite you to join us for a book study. 
The book we selected is Learning by Heart, Teachings to Free the Creative Spirit by Karita Kent and Jan Stewart. We begin on episode five to give you time to get a copy of the book for your own study. So we'll include a link to the book on our website. Each week, we'll discuss a section and how we've put the ideas in the book into action in our own creative work. We've even invited some guest artists and writers to come to the podcast and help broaden the conversations. We hope you'll create and learn right alongside of us. You can find more podcast episodes and today's playlist at thehummingbirdpodcast.com. And you can learn more about our creative work at our individual websites. So you can learn more about me, Jessica, at sunshineinajar.com and more about April at aprillejanes.com, A-P-R-I-L-L-E-J-A-N is in November, E-S.com. If you have any hummingbird questions for us to explore, we invite you to let us know. At thehummingbirdpodcast.com.